What is up and welcome in to the Easy Smoke in the GM Podcast. I'm your host, Ezra McCann, and I'm joined as always by my outstanding co-hosts. He's a Chicago Public League legend, a Simeon legend, a Grambling State legend. He played second base for the Tigers. He was all swag as Brandon Williams, a.k.a. Coach Smoke. And we've got the NFL Draft Guru. You can catch all of his work. Wonderful uh, column. What would you you call it? Yeah, yeah. Call it column. Article, column. Column. Article, column. Sure. Roll that. Check out all his work at NBCSportsChicago.com and the My Teams app. It's Glenn Morgan. He's our GM. Fellas, we got a lot to talk about, so I guess let's let's, let's get right to it. And uh, we'll start. Uh, for us Southsiders out there, uh, we had a rough, rough almost week there, uh, and it ended today with a uh, game four loss to the Astros in the American League Divisional Series. First off, I, it was a great summer. Yeah, it was it was a great summer, man. I had a great time watching baseball. This was a, a fun, exciting team. Um, but I just think they, toward the end of the season, man, it's all about pitching and. Uh, the, the, the starting pitching let them down uh, when, when once they got to the playoffs. Uh, yeah, I mean, without a doubt. I mean, entering the playoffs, uh, collectively, the starters had a 3.57 ERA, and that is the music to your ears going into the playoffs. Um, and there was an understanding that certain pitchers pitched better on the road. Some pitchers pitched better at home. Um, some pitchers had a better record against Houston. Some struggled against Houston, but there was an understanding of what we were expecting from our starting pitchers and that they could throw it to the bullpen that had a, a, a plethora of uh, strong arms and some versatility and then a back end that was set up to be able to dominate uh, not just in this round, but all the way through to a potential World Series. And none of that <laughs> came to no. fruition no. <laughs> from yeah. the pitching aspect. Yeah. Uh, I mean, seriously, and uh, it, not to, you know, beat a dead horse, which I'm sure we will, but that starting pitching, and as you and I were earlier talking about it today, didn't get past the fourth inning. I mean, how, how, in four games, how is that even hmm. possible? Like, like that's Man. almost unbelievable that I, not one pitcher got past a fourth inning. It's amazing they won one game. Um, so, yeah, man, that that was a, an extreme um, disappointment uh, as a fan, and I'm sure the pitchers and the players, were, you know, I, I know they 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 took it out because this team seemed to be one that was built on camaraderie and a lot of togetherness. And I'm sure it, it it's uh, something that's going to s- stay with them throughout uh, the offseason and hopefully motivate them to better success going forward. Yeah, that that pitching was major letdown, major letdown. That was that was weird to see, like that no starter really made it through the fourth inning, and the one game that was won that was probably the worst start. Of any star, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, true that. Like, <laughs> Cease didn't get out of the. He didn't get out of the second, did he? I don't think he got out, the, he got second. out the second. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Like it, it was just weird. Like, what is going on? I'm like, and you know what I'm saying. A lot of people blaming Larusa, Larusa. I'm like, man, look. As a coach, 
you go in expecting your starters to give you more than three or four innings. Yes. <laughs> Once they, when that falls apart, your whole coaching plan is out the window. And now you're doing things on the fly and you have to be quick in your judgment. Like that was tough to, to overcome that game after game. I can understand one start here and then the next day, you know, the next starter gives you a seven in and outing, you know, but to have over and over and over yeah. four or less, that that's too, that's too much to overcome, man. And I think I don't I won't I don't know if it necessarily had a true effect on the offense, but it probably did. I mean, they didn't they didn't hit that well in big situations, I would say. No, they they collect they got they got hits, but they didn't really get big hits. I mean, they didn't they didn't get their first extra extra base, base hit. hit yeah, it's a game three, middle mm-hmm. of game three. Yeah, so you know it was it was it was it was tough to watch, man. And it and you could definitely see the Astros had a had an edge on them. Well, now, let's be real, they they were the better team, yeah. Um, and they they proved that during the season, winning five out of seven uh, against the White right. Sox. I think it was probably the worst matchup the the White Sox could have had between whether they were playing Tampa Bay or Boston uh, or, 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 or the Astros. It was the worst matchup they could get. And they, they ran into a buzzsaw, man. Mm-hmm. The, the Astros are, uh, they're, they're, they're a really good team. Uh, but like the starting pitching, I mean, it started, I mean, this goes back to, uh, when was the last time before and then obviously Dallas Keiko wasn't on the playoff roster, but when was the last time Keiko won a game? It had it had to have been in, in July at some what, point. What's a Keiko? Exactly. Exactly. He was <laughs> he was gone. That was a yeah. a major, he's supposed to be a major piece uh to the starting staff. Uh Rodon, you know, had a great first half, had the no-hitter, uh, was an all-star. And then, you know, he basically ran out of gas at the end. He's never, you know, never gone this far, never gone this far in his career. So he ran out of gas. Uh, Giolito was, was up and down. It looked like he had, you know, started to really figure it out uh, once September hit. And then, you know, I think he, he did go, he went five, right? He, 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 I think he, he finished second half. The fifth. Yeah. But I, I mean, he still to wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, it, it wasn't. But it a, didn't. A it didn't seem. Like. Yeah, yeah. I think he walked. He walked four guys. Um, so it just it just wasn't there. We we talked about Cease, um, and 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 his struggles in Game Three, and Lance Lynn. I mean, he just you know as as great of a season he had. The Astros are, are his bugaboo, man. He, he right. man, what was he? His last six starts against the Astros, zero and six, with yeah. like somewhere of like like over a nine ERA or something, something ridiculous, <laughs> yeah, something man. crazy. So, so you know, it was. I think they just they just ran into the to the to the wrong team at the at the wrong time, man. Um, but still, like I said it was a it was a great season, um, all around. Uh, looking looking towards next season though. Everybody's pretty much coming back. Um, yeah, I would, I would think you probably want to find a right fielder. Mm-hmm. Um, but outside of that, I mean, your outfield is set. I don't, I don't really know if I want Eloy out there again, but that's probably going to happen. 
Well, I mean, let's be fair to him. He did a pretty good outside of you know preseason. Outside tearing the left side of his arm away, tearing, tearing, tearing his, his chest for no reason. Uh, yeah, saw that one hiccup. Um, he actually did a pretty decent job in in uh, the outfield. So he looks like he's improving. Um, he looked like he took his um, uh, off season regimen. Seriously, he looked like he was a little slimmer, and he seen he definitely got up and down the first baseline a lot more yeah, quickly he than he did last yeah. year. Yeah. Um, he looked a bit more quote unquote athletic, um, you know, compared to how he did the previous year. So, I hopefully he maintains that kind of uh, due diligence and, and and hunger to want to be a better all around player because he definitely does not like being a DH, and if he cannot perform in the outfield at a consistent level, he's going to find himself DHing more than not. And that tends, at least at this point, it tends to affect his batting. Uh, and like we've heard Frank Thomas say over and over, especially with young hitters, being a DH is very difficult to be able to compartmentalize your game enough where you're just sitting there waiting for your at-bats. Um, he's a much more engaged player and a much more productive player when he's playing in the outfield. So hopefully – you know, he maintains that, like I said, that that enthusiasm he had towards being a better all-around player. Uh, right field, I mean, maybe Gavin Sheets, you know, he's not the most athletic dude, but he's not horrible. And uh, right field is usually a little bit, you want your better outfielder in right field than left field. And I think you might compromise, compromise a bit of the defensive integrity in the outfit of the corners with Eloy and Gavin. But you got Pantera out there. You got uh, Roberts out there in center field, and he can make up for a lot of, uh, you know, gap space <laughs> with his speed and his, uh, you know, his ability to to read the ball off the bat. So I think they've got options in right field. I don't know if they necessarily have to go outside to get a right field. I, I'm more concerned about the starting pitching. Uh, what do you guys think? Uh, yeah, the starting pitching is – Probably a big one because you got Lance Land and Keiko are both on their back end of their careers anyway. Right. Um, both under contract, though. Mm, True. Oh, well. True, but, I mean, you can always – there's a thing called a trade. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, and I don't know who – off the top of my head, I don't know who is in the farm system that is ready to come up. Um, but the White Sox – being the frugal team that they've always been, I think there is some money. Remember, they never paid Manny Machado, so there's still some of that money left over. Uh, oh, that they that's can... right. Yeah, that's about $300 million. <laughs> <laughs> right. Some of that money they can possibly use to and maybe make a trade, maybe make Keiko happy elsewhere if he's the person that's traded. It seems like they're really high on lens to say extended them. Um, I, I just – I think they need somebody who can be that linchpin in the middle um, or – Make one have one other players kind of slide to that number three well, spot or number four spot. Can Kopep take a take take? One I was of those about spots? to say, do you think he can slide into the starting role? I think he has the ability to, um, but I don't know if I can count on him psychologically to some degree because of the issue he had prior to this season. Um, I'm not well, certain how his performance in the latter half of the season, that could just be fatigue as well, how that may play out. Um, and that's, I, I would like to see him be that guy. Um, but then there's a big hole with your middle relief in terms of being that, that guy who could come in and dominate like he did for two to three innings. 
I I think you all. I think they should move Kimbrel. I think you can get some form. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Like with you. You, I mean, you have Hendricks, and mm-hmm. and you know, I tell people all the time. Like I was <laughs> talking to my mom, and I'm like, man, either I'm not giving you enough respect on your baseball knowledge or I'm overvaluing some other people's baseball knowledge. It's one of the two because stuff she be saying be I'm like, damn Ma, you really know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, oh, man, she's a and, ticket holder, man. She's she's always there, yeah, man. Yeah, yes she indeed. Knows her stuff. But we so, were talking <laughs> you, you let your we misogyny go through your ages? Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> sometimes I think she's just, you know, real a fan, you know, and sometimes when you're a fan, your judgment can get cloudy. Oh, okay. Way to clean it up, John Gruden Jr. We were talking. (laughs) (laughs) Hell no. No. Hell no. (laughs) But, but like, one, she hates Kimber. She hates him. And one thing we were discussing, I was saying how, you know, pitching is a – it's all about routine. And him being a closer – all this time and then coming over to the socks and becoming an eighth inning guy, mm-hmm. like a setup man for the closer that probably messed up his whole routine. And that's probably contributed to a lot of his it, struggles. It, it clearly did. It went, he went from what a uh, uh, 0.59 ERA to uh, like over five. Yeah. You know, like, and you know, that was something that really came to me today. Like, you know what, that's probably what it was. Yeah. Like it's, it's weird. You would think like you just got one job to come in and pitch one in it, but like these dudes are so superficial, so superstitious. Like he probably had a whole routine that was set up for him to come out only in the ninth inning. And now he has to escalate. But not as yeah, escalate that routine to come in in it earlier. Yeah. And it might have messed up his whole flow, you know. And so, but I think he's I, still a valuable piece that you can get something for. I actually wondered when they made the deal, should they have made Hendricks the, the eighth inning guy? Even though he was, you know, he was the all-star on the team and was already situated. I feel like he may have mentally been better you know equipped to to do that because that's the he did that a lot in oakland if i'm not mistaken uh, uh pitched a lot of eighth innings so just yeah. looking back you know hindsight you know it's 2020 but um yeah, but none of that factored into this playoff at all no not at all, <laughs> not at all. right yeah um but yeah it's it's all i think it's all about uh, this this offseason is all about figuring out what uh, what your 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 starting staff is going to be, your rotation is going to be heading into into next season. Uh, but I'm hey I'm you know we're not even 24 hours past uh, uh, you know losing the the final game of the season and I'm 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 pumped up about uh, 2022 man and and, yeah. and the White Sox no doubt about it. I think. And as we finish this up, the segment, I I think if there's anything I can look back on the entire season saying maybe this might have been the fly in the ointment or the bugaboo that wasn't really talked about or a little thing in the corner that, you know, we didn't really address was just how, you know, sometimes when we talk in sports, 
particularly basketball and football, uh, when you play tougher schedule, especially like in college football, mm-hmm. you play a tougher schedule. In, in college basketball, you play a tougher schedule. It prepares you for the tournament. I think the White Sox's weak division may have – Yeah, I think came back to haunt them. I think it underprepared them or gave them a false sense of where they really were in comparison to the rest of the play- teams in the, in the American League. And I think that – came to startling realization in this playoff. Like you said earlier, Houston got to them earlier. We saw them struggle against the Yankees. We saw them struggle against some of the teams, but you know, it's a regular season. All the players weren't there at the beginning of the year. You know, they were playing with a lot of pickup players that they had to to supplement the players that were injured. We made all these reasons and we explained away the fact that they played in a really weak division and people who were proponent or people who were opponents or not, you know, kind of like low-key haters, like Cub fans, kept saying, now ah, you play in the weak division. Now ah, you play in the weak division. Well, they might have been right. <laughs> well, not even, not even, not just that, um, but just the fact they didn't, they didn't have to fight. Um, after, I mean, Cleveland waved the, the, the red flag at the trade deadline. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I said the red flag, the white flag. White me. flag, yes. The white so, flag. So that's um, two months of just, you know, coaching. Right, right. So that you know, they were they were on cruise control from from August first on, and you know there was nothing to fight for really. They they knew they had won the division at that point, so um, so yeah, they they weren't battle tested right. coming into into these playoffs. Right. Um, I would think though next season the AL yeah. Central is going to be. A lot tougher. A lot tougher than it was. Yeah, the Royals and the Indians uh, should be competitive. And Detroit showed a little something, too, at the end of the year. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, with that, who, who you got the rest of the way? Hmm. Uh, Brandon, you're the baseball resident. Uh, I'm who I'm rooting for. I'm rooting no, no. For, who you, who well, you who, got? Who you think, who you think, so who you think going to win? Your team you're rooting for ain't playing. I'm not. So who, I'm who, not who you, who you got? I'm not. Okay, who I got to win it? I, I, I hate to say it, but I think Boston is going to win it all. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, I see this over and over with them, man. It just seems like destiny with them. The way they win games is just like, you know what? There's another one of them. BS meant to be years for you guys. Oh, <laughs> wow. Oh, like a true Yankee fan. <laughs> yes. And 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 to be fair, I am a huge fan of Alex Cora, though. Like I feel it's no coincidence that they went from dead last last year when he was gone for the year mm. to in the ALCS this year. And I'm really looking forward to seeing the cheating coach versus the cheating team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I think uh, I, I'm with you. I think it'll be Boston in the series. Uh, I think it gets the Giants. And I'm actually going to go with the that's Giants. Who I, that's my World Series. I have yeah. Boston versus the Giants. I think the Giants are that other team of destiny that just seems to win and keep winning when you don't expect it. Everyone keeps saying, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. Meanwhile, they're just kicking butt all the way to, you know, through the, through the, through the season into the playoffs, uh, taking down the Dodgers the way they did. It was no small feat. 
Um, yeah, so I think the Giants and the Red Sox, uh, I actually like both organizations, but I think the Giants, uh, I think the National League takes it this year with the Giants. Or they takes gotta, it again. They got to get out of the ALDS first. Yeah, but you asked who I thought, so, you know. All right, all right, I'm just saying, just saying, just saying. Uh, I'm going to go different. I'm going to say the Atlanta Braves. Well, you know, the, the, the odds had them at a 14% chance of winning the whole thing. So you're not alone with that. Vegas likes what you think. I'm just saying it just because, you know, it's the Atlanta Braves. That's all. I have no <laughs> real reason for why that's going to be. So take that. Oh, no, no, don't say that. I'm not, man. I think I'm capped today or something. <laughs> What's going on? Okay, let's go on. Let's move on to the Bears. And uh, big, 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 big win in Vegas uh, this past weekend, 20 to 9. Um, had a couple of scares in it, not going to lie. Uh, yeah. I thought I thought Fields was out for the year nice. for, uh, <laughs> for, for about a minute there, and then luckily he was okay. But, um, but yeah, I think it was – this was – the most complete team victory um, we've probably seen since since 2018, I would say. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think Detroit was. No, no. <laughs> I was it's a, Detroit. The caliber of the yeah, opponent. Detroit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Poor, poor Lions. <laughs> we we, we, talk, we talking about real football teams here. Got, got the coach <laughs> crying. Nobody gives him any love. <laughs> <laughs> They're like on the island of misfit toys. Just left yeah, it out there. I mean, the defense showed up. Uh, the offensive line, you know, played their butts off. You know, Fields took some hits. He definitely yeah. took some hits, but uh, but still, they they you know they did their thing. Uh, the offense looked you know somewhat like an NFL offense. Got to give them that credit. Uh, special teams was there. I mean, it was just like I said, it was all around um, complete victory by 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 that entire team. And and Matt Nagy stayed out of the way, and that's mm. that's that's where we like him. Yeah, yeah, Matt. Want to give some credit to Matt Nagy? You yeah, know, he gets bashed a lot, but when 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 a team do well, we we I feel we don't acknowledge him enough in that aspect. Um, sometimes just because he's messed up so much in the past it's hard to get over but and I think Jim you've said this before he's he's good in the CEO role right you know and like and I've been thinking a lot when remember when I asked about personality and how hasn't he lost this locker room and everyone just keeps saying how the old guys love him like and it's like you can see that but like relinquish some duties so other people can do stuff. But main takeaway for me is our running game is just really good. Yep. Even without Montgomery, we ran the ball well. Herbert told you ran the ball well. He's got he's got some Herbert vision, man. Ran the ball well, man. And I'm like, wow. To see our running game not take a step back at all was like okay. Damn, Damian Williams looked good. Oh man, that spin move to get in the end zone yeah, was, was yeah. sick. 
you know, and, and the tight ends looking like they're having fun blocking Jimmy Graham going down, to, <laughs> taking the guy with the man. I'm right. like, okay, these guys, these guys look like they're, they're buying in, like, and they're having fun. They, it's about winning. It's not how you look doing it. It ain't got to be all the pretty stuff with throwing for 400 yards and all these passing touchdowns. They're just, they just want to win and they're buying into feeding off the defense and making it work. Uh, Fields got his first pass and touchdown. I was happy about that. I was, mm-hmm. I was good the rest of the day. He ain't had to get another one. One was good. <laughs> one was good. We'll get you one in some. <laughs> you know, and they and they kept they they didn't they didn't get besides themselves. The defense was playing amazing, and the offense just stayed steady. Now, one thing I would like to see it was like three or four third and ones. And I felt we could have probably bootlegged and we just kept, you know, just kept handed off and we wouldn't get it. You know, it was like, change it up. Like let's, let's try to surprise them at least once, you know, and we never did it, but Hey, it worked out because we trusted in our defense to continue to do the job, but yeah, big win. You know, no one gave us a chance to go into Vegas and get this win. You know, I mean, yeah, us. I'm talking, <laughs> I'm talking, you know, mainstream that, media. Right. You know, and, I did. You know, even even after the fact, they're still not really respecting it because of the a hole coach. You know, it's all oh, they didn't. You know, they were distracted, man. No, we just played well. You know, and and that's that's what it was. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm very impressed. Looking forward to this week against Green Bay. See see what we can do. Um, yeah, I, I think everything what you guys are saying and a lot of what I'm I'm hearing is you know based. I'm taking part of what you guys said earlier about routine when it came to the to the closing pitchers for the White Sox. That routine and that repetition and the success that that breeds, and we're starting to see that with the running game in particular. Uh, you look back to the Browns game, and as far as time of possession, there was no time of possession that even reached – I think the only time of possession that reached upwards to four minutes was the one field goal they got towards the end of the year. I mean, end of the game, excuse me. The rest of those possessions weren't even three minutes long. You look at the game against the Lions, and then you had the two scoring possessions were a little bit over three minutes, and you had one other possession that was about five minutes that didn't result in a score – and now you look at last week or this past game and two of the scoring possessions were well over five minutes. One was 16 plays. The other was 10 plays. And then the last scoring possession in the fourth quarter was a six minute drive. That was 10, 10 plays that resulted in a field goal. That's when you're starting to you know, impose your will on the other team. And you're looking at an offense that's now starting to develop uh, identity based on physicality, which what you guys said earlier, the defense feeds off of defense feeds off of a physical nature. Cause that's what they are by, by themselves, by nature. And so now these two teams are kind of complementing each other psychologically and, and you see it being enacted out on the field. And now this execution from the repetition is becoming more ingrained. So these two games with laser taking over before we play the Packers were instrumental to some degree in developing confidence in the team, continuity, um, a certain sense of, um, of faith and trust in your teammates. 
Um, and that's going to be crucial, if not critical, when it comes to playing the Packers, because you're going to have to execute. We're not that team that can afford to make a lot of mistakes. We got to make sure that we don't shoot ourselves in the foot. The penalties are still a little concerning the last two weeks, seven and eight penalties, respectively. But you, yeah, you can't have that against against the Packers. Yeah, but, that was that was that was disappointing. That that penalty uh, that he had the, the unnecessary roughness. That was yeah, he he went too far. Definitely can't have that kind of idiocy. So, you know, but going into the Packer game, going into Packer week, you know, the Packers, you know, you know, those of us who grown up here in Chicago and those of us who are really old like me, remember when a division used to be called the black and blue division, you know, the Bears can kind of take that back a little bit and harken back to, you know, games of old where they impose themselves physically. When that team is like, you gonna when you literally say, you're going to feel me, you're going to feel this. And the Packers, hey, you know, they're vulnerable. They, their offensive line is not as strong as it could be. They're missing a couple of elements there. We've seen when Aaron Rodgers doesn't have we, time. That, they, we hear that every year, though. Yeah, but here's the thing. We've had opportunities to beat them. We just haven't been consistent. And a lot of that is play calling. Now that shouldn't be the element to where we're shooting ourselves on our foot like we have so much in the past. Now we have a quarterback that on third and three – doesn't just have to pass the ball that he won't be scared enough to run and get the three yards that can make a play on the run, throwing downfield, a guy who can throw downfield accurately. The Packers never really had to worry about playing deep because they realized the quarterback that was there wasn't this guy, this guy can beat them deep. And if you look at that play, that third down play where the, you saw where the, the, uh, the zone for the Raiders were right up where the first down marker was and the Bears needed 12 yards to get a first down. And Moody came and sat right down in that soft spot of the zone. And Justin looked off the, the safety off to the left side of the field just long enough for Mooney to get to where he needed. And then he zipped that ball in there low enough that only Mooney could catch it. And Mooney made that reception first down. And that was a key first down in that game. Mm-hmm. We weren't saying that about the other dude. If anything, he was throwing the ball in the ground. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So this cat, you know, feels being the cat that I'm talking about, this cat has this ability, man, to make plays with both his arm and his leg. And if you're not careful, if you're the Packers and you underestimate him or you assume something that's incorrect about his ability, you can get got real quick because we've seen him make those kind of passes that we've seen the other guy in green and gold make over the course of several years. So I'll let to say, man, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see who we are going against the Packers. I'm not putting a whole bunch of credence completely into the Raiders game. It was a good win on the road. I felt that we could win that game if we forced turnovers. If we didn't shoot ourselves in the foot, we would ride on the running game to set up a play action. All those things came to fruition. That's great. But we also called a Raiders team that was distracted. Let's be real. And the Lions team, that's not that good. Let's be real. So this Packer game at home is an opportunity for us to really look in the mirror, see who we are, and see if we can, you know, knock that bully off the block, at least for one week. Were they really that distracted, the yeah, Raiders? I think so. You, I, don't, you can't, I don't think, I don't think the, the, the major, major news didn't really come out until after. I, I didn't say they were like, you know, we don't know what to do. Distracted is distracted. You, you, you can be a bit distracted if you're, you know, if you're a player of African-American descent and you hear that he made a racial comment 
And if you found out what that comment was, you might be looking at them sideways. You might be thinking secondly about, you know, I mean, all they keep in mind, any NFL player, any, any professional player, they're not just doing it for the coach. They're not just doing it for the GM. They're not even just doing it for the city. A lot of them are doing it because they have families they have to feed, Correct. you know? So, and they got to take care of themselves. And their families, I don't just mean their immediate family. That's sometimes just an extended family situation where your cousins and your uncles and aunts and other friends of the family are, are part of that family uh, institution that are depending upon you. So there's a lot of pressure on these athletes. So yeah, uh, distraction could be something that, you know, comes along. It makes me look like, man, what, what's going on here? Like, okay, wow, I got to worry about this now too. Like when it comes to my contract or now that thing that he said the other day, now I'm thinking a little bit second or like, why didn't he want to keep macro? Why is Richard incognito on the team again? I thought that was kind of weird, but now I kind of see what I'm dealing with. That's distracted. Mm. You know what I'm saying? That, that's what I mean. I'm, does it mean that they completely were befuddled by everything and they couldn't, you know, function on the, on the field? I'm not saying that, but distracted is still distracted. I didn't think about the incognito thing. That's, didn't either. I that's didn't a good either. point. Man, I didn't either. Whoa. That's a very good point. Hey, I'm not saying I'm right. I just don't think I'm out of the, <laughs> out of the real possibility with this. <laughs> you know? So, and there's a lot else that goes into it. Because keep in mind, the cat that, that he he being Gruden, the one that he dissed is the player, you know, head of the uh, Players Association. So now, you know, you know, you got to depend on this dude to help with some of your negotiation aspects. So what's this all about? I mean, like I said, you, you can have an injury that distracts a team. You can have a person whose family member is sick or a coach who's battling cancer. We've seen that a lot of times. Sometimes things can galvanize a team. Sometimes it can distract a team. You know, it's, it's a small thing separating, you know, professional athletes. And psychologically, that's usually the thing that se separates them. You know, where, where are their heads during the game? And that's a question that, yeah, maybe not seven players on a team, maybe not 20 players on a team, but of the 24 starters, maybe four of them, maybe four key players, or, you know, four plays at a significant time. Distracted is distracted. So I'm not going to say the Bears didn't earn a win, but by the same token, I'm not going to think that they just – you know, I'm not going to think that the Raiders weren't distracted. And that's cool. Take the wins. It's the NFL. Ain't nobody feeling sorry for you. But how do we build on that? And we'll find out because we test ourselves this coming week. This is Packer week. This is when we test ourselves against the division leader, a team that's been to the conference championship game back-to-back -back years. The reigning MVP of the NFL is Aaron Rodgers. We need to beat that dude up, man. Need to show him a little something-something. Well, um, I think your defensive coordinator showed something last week, and hopefully he can uh, dial up another game plan like like he had against the Raiders. Um, I saw they they uh, they they put Mac and Quinn on the same side uh, a couple of times during the game, and at one time uh, caused a false start mm -hmm. <laughs> because they were like, "Oh my god, <laughs> yeah, what, what what do we do here?" Um, so yeah, he I, I thought he he called a, a great game, um, and he's definitely um, earning those stripes as as, as a young DC. Um, and Gibson's yeah. looking good too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That entire man, that, that 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 entire defense looks strong. I I can't can't front on that. Well, the entire front seven. 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> the secondary was a little. You're right. Secondary you're right. still look questionable. You're, you're right. Yeah. You're right. And, and we got yeah. one of the, the premier Raiders. wide receivers coming in, and Devontae That's Adams. Right. Yeah, the Raiders had a few drops that were. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That still, but they, they didn't capitalize. Was he distracted? Maybe on that drop. I'm just no. saying. You know, I'm just no. saying. I don't know. I'm just saying. I don't know. One one of the drops. I would say he was distracted because he was going to get blew up. <laughs> he was open and he dropped, yeah. but he was going to get blew up. And I'm like, he probably would have coughed it up anyway had he caught it. <laughs> so that one, I'm like, I know, but it, but the one I think Waller dropped was was shocking. Like, whoa, yeah. But yeah, I'm 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 interested to see, man. I saw. Like Justin was getting rid of the ball quicker, mm-hmm. you know. It was baby steps, baby yeah. steps, you know. And I mean, like I say, I just, I just hope for the on the third and ones, mix it up a little bit, you know. You know, take a chance, take a shot, you know, and see what happens. You know, uh, I understand you, you, you stick it to the game plan, but it's okay to take a chance. Like that's that's my only thing. And I think you'll see that as the season progresses. I think you'll see that. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we see that this week or next or Sunday, I should say, next week. These conversations are, are, are so much more civil and laid back <laughs> after a Bears win. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost refreshing. <laughs> Man, relaxing, ain't it? Yes. Blood pressure is, is normal. Yeah, well, that's about to that's about to change with this next topic, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, uh, we 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 delved on it a little bit, but uh, John Gruden forced to resign as head coach of the Raiders after uh, some emails have surfaced where he uh, said some uh, racist and homophobic and misogynistic and every other if you can you could you could think of. Um, first off, is it shocking or? Well, no, even let's, let's, let's go here. Let's go here. I got, I got, I got a couple, a couple ways to look at this. Number one, um, based on the fact that he wasn't working for the NFL, and mm-hmm. um, these are personal emails, should this have a bearing on, on, on his professional life? First off, let's, let's just throw that out there. Uh, I would say, yes, it should. Yes, he should be held accountable for those. Emails. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I because when you're in, yeah, you wasn't coaching at the time, but now you're a coach, you're a leader of men, and you're showing views that resembles hatred towards a particular group of people that you oversee. Like, so, and <laughs> like you, you came at African-Americans and you also came at the LBGT, the LBGTQ community. And you have both of those on your team. You have African-Americans, of course, but you have the one openly gay player on your team like you have to be held accountable for that and granted yeah it said it was 
10 years ago, but it, it spanned over seven years. Yeah. From 11 to 18. So he was coaching in 18, correct? Yeah. You know, so, yeah, I, I think I think it's you have a responsibility when you become a head coach, you know, and like those type of things aren't can't be tolerated because now you have to run you what what is the message you're sending to the players i so what that he don't like you because you're black go out there and play so what he don't like you that you're gay go out there and play you he's still your coach what 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 message is that yeah you know like I mean, and I'm not saying it, it. I'm sure it's other coaches and owners and GMs that don't like the players that they coach. Oh, uh, you know, but guess what? It shouldn't be known to the public. <laughs> clearly, they, you know, it's him and uh, uh, he was, I guess the emails were to Bruce Allen, mm-hmm. who at the time was the uh, an executive with the Washington football team. No, Washington um, Redskins. Say it the right way. At the time, it was Washington Redskins. At the time, Redskins. it was the Redskins, yeah. That's important. That's too. that's another one. <laughs> that's another 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 issue. But um, but yeah, clearly they aren't the only ones. Not like they're the the you know the only two in 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 this league that um, that have those types of feelings. Um, but yeah, it, that it's sickening. And the fact that he came out when well, he came out, um, I guess it was on Friday. And he talked to the media and said that he didn't know what he said uh, was looked at as as being racist. And <laughs> you called you called Demora Smith, um, uh, uh, dumb Morris, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and said he had lips that looked like Michelin tires. How else could you could you could you uh, uh, would you would you what what else would you say that is other than um, well, it's not like he racist. used the word. It's not like he used the word Her. watermelon lips. He didn't say watermelon lips, so you know it wasn't racist. <laughs> Man, <laughs> that, that, I... he tried. He tried to be slick with it. He thought it would go over our heads. No, no. Well, well, he didn't think we'd find out. So, well, we right. Exactly, exactly. This was never supposed to come out. Okay, let's take that. Let's take that point. Yeah, it was never supposed to come out. We're. Okay, you know, we're all on John Gruden. Let, let's slow up a little bit on John Gruden. Okay, hear me out. Slow up a little bit on John Gruden. We're talking about a guy, John Gruden, who at the time was not working for the NFL. He was working for ESPN and he was an announcer. Okay. And he's writing personal emails to, yes, a particular executive for NFL team, but they were personal emails to that individual. The only reason why this has come out is because the NFL was doing an extensive investigation on Washington, the Washington football teams, and its toxic environmental, its, its toxic environment as far as a workspace goes. And so we're talking about an investigation that was initially begun by Beth Wilkinson. But then the NFL takes over right around the time when it comes out about the Washington a football team and the cheerleaders that were taking inappropriate pictures, bathing suit, that kind of thing. So the, the NFL says, you know what, Beth Wilkinson, we're going to take over the investigation. And then there's no written report of what happens in this investigation. It's just like a, a verbal one. Now, any lawyer worth their salt will let you know that 
you don't take over an investigation. If there's anything done without a paper trail. No lawyer is going to want to do something without a paper trail. That's how lawyers cover their ass with a paper trail. But there's no paper trail. So the question is, what's being covered up in that instance? But over 600,000 emails have been examined. And you mean to tell me out of that many emails, the only thing that's come across is what John Gruden did 10 years ago? No. See, I, I cry foul because the commissioner has had issues with John Gruden and the commissioner being Roger Goodell, that is, has had issues with John Gruden for quite some time. The things John Gruden has spoken out against regarding the NFL policy when it comes to concussion protocol, when it comes to um, uh, opening the league up to uh, females being involved in the league in terms of refereeing and that, that nature, this diversity inclusion, also with gay players being involved and Michael Sam uh, kind of being foisted upon the, the Rams at the time. Uh, when they drafted him, when the Rams were still in St. Louis, because Michael Sand played for Missouri. So kind of that connectivity there. Okay, so maybe Roger Goodell was offended because in these emails, Gruden called Goodell a pussy. And then he called him, you know, uh, a derogatory uh, uh, homophobic slur. So maybe Goodell is like, okay, I can't come after you because you weren't in the NFL at the time. But because you said this and you are now in the NFL, I can publicly shame you enough to where the public outcry is going to be enough so that you'll get fired. So maybe John Gruden is a bit of a victim here of a personal vendetta that Goodell might have had. So the question is, should John Gruden be held accountable for an email he sent personally to a guy when he wasn't even in the league and that happened 10 years ago? Or is this like some witch hunt that the NFL had against John Gruden? And what I say to that is, Fuck John Gruden and the NFL in that regard because they both are a bunch of assholes. <laughs> Hell yeah, John Gruden should be held accountable because as you said, Smoke, he is in charge of not just the football players, but he has influence over that entire organization, a billion dollar industry. He has influence over the people who are hired in that facility at different levels. He has influence on these players and their careers. We mentioned earlier that he brought in Richie Incognito, who's been known to be a slimeball, a scumbucket, a person who has homophobic uh, tendencies, who has also been somewhat uh, considered a racist by some of the things he said and done since he's been in the league. A person who basically was a persona non grata for most everybody else in the NFL, but John Gruden, who apparently shares some of his same views. So hell yeah, how can you not be a racist statement? You know what the hell you said and did. Michelin tires. You might, like I said, you might as well say a watermelon lips. And then he tried to be slick because so now he's trying to insult your intelligence. And then in the classic of all classic cases of, hey, white male uh, 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 toxicity and white male, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, permissibility. What, what's the word I'm looking for? You just you, you're giving a green light because you're a white Privilege. male. Privilege. Privilege. Thank you. He says during his press conference, I'm not answering any more questions. I said I what I said. No I won't talk about it anymore. I said what I said <laughs> 10 years ago. I've addressed it. I've apologized to those people I may have heard. I talked to D. Smith. Oh, you, you cool with him now. You D. Smith. He was dumb Morris, but now you D. Smith. I talked to him and, you know, I apologize. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to answer any more questions like that. And then to your question, everyone keeps asking this question. And I, I'm tripping on the fact that they're asking this question. The question they're asking is, why would he write it? Why would he send it in an email? Because he don't give a damn. He ain't no, he, because he's never had to answer anything. He's writing it to his boys who share the same views. Yeah. 
He's like, whatever. <laughs> are, are you kidding me? And and he not, wrote, go ahead. And I mean, it's not that he sent it. It's why is, is Bruce Allen, right? Bruce Allen, whose yeah. dad was the governor of Georgia, right. Virginia, excuse me. No, his brother. Virginia. That's his brother. His brother, I'm sorry. Brother was the governor of Virginia. Why is he's the one that got him in trouble? Because he was the one using his work email. Bruce Allen was. Well, yeah, but no one expected an investigation to come 10 years I later. Yeah, I, I get that. But why would you <laughs> like, come on, Be, man. You only Mel got privilege. your work email. You don't Mel have privilege. a personal email. Male privilege. <laughs> Because because you're talking about NFL type situations. And then you send in porno pics over this as well. I mean, dude, I mean, come on, man. It, just a scum bucket. And he had the audacity because he's never had to answer against that audacity ever. So in an extreme case of white male privilege, he shows that this situation, everything we've talked about since the colony, and it's another thing too, talking about, you know, blackballing Eric Reed because he took his constitutional right to, to kneel in a peaceful protest. He shouldn't have a, he, sh he should be fired. Who the hell are you? I mean, seriously, man, he is a scum bucket. John Gruden is a scum bucket. We should call it like it is. And the fact that people are tripping on, I can't believe that he would, uh, I can't believe that he write over email. That's just, he just seems like an intelligent guy. Well, you, why are you complimenting this dude? He's not an intelligent guy. He's an asshole. Yeah. And he wrote it because there's no accountability that he felt he would ever have to face. Right. And the question you should be asking is, why is he allowed to be an NFL? Why are we not talking about what he said and the people that he's impugned? And why is it that it took a second releasing by the NFL. Yes. That was my next, that was yes. my next, my next point. Yes. When the LBGTQ community and women were offended before something actually happened, because apparently offending the yeah, Demarie Smith wasn't enough. Well, it wasn't, wasn't enough. Lips wasn't enough. It was, it was 10 years enough. ago. Yeah. It, it was 10 years ago. It wasn't enough. It's and, fine. And I, I'm going to sidestep here tangentially to Dave Chappelle, because I know he's been catching a lot yeah. of flack lately. Yeah. But Dave Chappelle kind of said like, when you offend that particular group with all the, the letters, it tends to seem to upset people more so than when you offend other ethnicities, i.e. African-Americans. It seems to be taken a bit more at earnest. Yeah. So here's an exact case of that actually happening. You know, so, so I, you know, I mean, come on, man. You know, are, are you kidding me? Hmm. And this dude, is, he's 22 and 31 on this record. And you know, and fuck him again, because I tell you what, his accountability, no, no, to be accountable, he needs to make restitution, which isn't going to happen. He's going to walk away with $40 million. He's a millionaire. He don't give a crap. Yeah. He don't care. I, I'm, I'm going to say I'm sorry. Next thing you know, we'll see him on some right-wing multimedia circuit, whether it's, you know, ONA or uh, Fox News or whatever other right-wing media sources that are out there. And they're going to say, oh, hey, I can't believe the Democrats and the liberals are treating you this way after you apologize and all the things you've done for players over your 30 plus years. And you apologize. I can't understand why they would treat you this way. Man, give yeah. me a break, dude. What about the people yeah, he's impugned? And what has yeah, he done? We don't, we don't know what he may have done over the years that could have affected other people. And he has no excuse because he wrote it 10 years ago. He was old 40 year old when he wrote that. He wasn't like some 16 year old boy. Of course he knows. Exactly. So the hell with him and anybody that he wrote to that agrees with him. And that's the thing that needs to be rooted out. I don't know how that can be rooted out, but clearly there's an element of that because it's in our society. Why would it not be the NFL? 
Why would it not be in the NFL? Why would it not be in the NBA? Why would it not be in any aspect? The difference is the NBA, they'll call you out and you'll lose your organization. We've seen that happen with the Clippers. Yeah. Yeah. There's not enough black players in hockey at this point to, to have that platform or that standout, that outcry voice or that voice outcrying these injustices, but it's growing slowly. Baseball has a similar issue, but there are enough Latinos in there that they watch what they say. Football's got a problem, man, and they need to, to address it. And Goodell, you know, look, man, he had an axe to grind. And I think, once again, we've been used, by we, I mean African-Americans at the time, had been used to facilitate somebody else's cause without, you know, yeah. the, the due aspect being rightfully done so as it should have been. So you, yeah. you really, you really no. think it's Goodell? Yeah. No, hey, oh, hell yeah. hey, yes, yes, I, definitely, a doubt. I, I believe the same thing. I believe the same thing. Somebody was like, man, why, why is this coming out like that? I'm like, be, I'm like, first off, it came out because of Goodell. I'm like, because he called him some stuff and Goodell let it be known what he said about Demore Smith thinking that will get enough of an outcry. And he put the onus on Mark Davis to mm -hmm. make a decision. Well, Mark Davis, they didn't want him coaching Sunday. Goodell didn't want him coaching Sunday. Nope. But when Mark Davis didn't do anything, okay, I'm going to put some more out there. <laughs> and I know when Times. I put this out there, what's going to happen. I, I strongly believe that. I strongly it, believe it, it. It makes sense. I, I can't argue that. Hey, hey, and listen, I ain't mad at him. Look, I, I'm one that always had my reservations on John Group. One, I didn't like him as a just on some personal stuff because you took over group uh Dungey team and won. I'm like, man, that's they got, BS. They got all, they got all so, the credit. You know, so that was one thing. But what really stood out to me is like all the play, all the key players on that team hate your guts. Hate your guts. Like, I understand guys who are committed to a previous coach, mm -hmm. but but it ain't it ain't that they just can't let go of that previous coach. No, they really don't like you. Like, there's a difference. And I always took into account what Keyshawn Johnson would say and what Warren Sapp would say about this dude. They did not like this dude. And Keyshawn has been giving us just been feeding it to us all the time. Every chance he got, and everybody would just uh that's just Keyshawn being a diva receiver, all that stuff. And now look at it. He just looked like the smartest man in the world right now. And speaking of diva receivers, let's talk about one Antonio Brown. <laughs> I, mean, look. I would love to hear what he got to say. <laughs> hey, I would just, love to hear. Antonio Brown may have issues with women. He may be a bit misogynistic. I don't know. Clearly, there have been some issues in his past. That being said, he clearly knows the racist when he sees one. <laughs> he called out Gruden and Mayock. So now I'm looking a little sideways at Mayock, who is the general manager for the Raiders, who makes the decisions on what players are being drafted. And he's also called out Ben Raplesberger. And I did say Raplesberger because he had two issues of sexual misconduct slash 
some statue, <laughs> some, some like, you know, date rape type kind of stuff in his past. But somehow the NFL and people seem to have forgotten that because he's won a couple of Super Bowls. But he also called him out for being racially, you know, uh, questionable. So maybe Antonio Brown, you know, the diva that he is doesn't mean, you know, that he was wrong about his assessment on on these people and their character. Uh, now, speaking of character, right quick, if you guys don't mind, I, I'm going to say this quote from Rod Graves. Now, Rod Graves uh, is currently he's been an executive in the NFL over a well, number he of years. Was, he was a uh, Bears. He was with the Bears for yes. a long time. Yeah, he was with the Bears for for a long time, beginning his uh, his professional career in in the NFL as an executive. But he's now currently a, a part of the Fritz Pollard Alliance. And uh, the Fritz Pollard Alliance. If you don't know who Fritz, Fritz Pollard was, uh, he was the first African American to play on a championship team back in 1920. Uh, he's also the first black in 1923 to be a quarterback. And he also was the first black coach, to be quite honest with you, back in 1990. Now, those teams he played for no longer exist. So that's kind of been lost in the ether to some degree. But Fritz Pollard was that kind of individual back in a time where clearly blacks were not allowed to play professional sports, uh, at least not openly, at least not you know publicly, or at least they weren't being endorsed in that, in that fashion as they are now. Now, as far as the, the alliance goes, uh, basically, they pretty much exist to champion diversity in NFL. Uh, they want to do that through education, networking, mentorship, and basically try to advocate hiring and the promotion of uh, minority candidates in the NFL through staff hierarchy, Okay, which is everything that seems antithetical to what John Cruden was about. But going to Rod Graves, and one of the quotes he made regarding the situation in John Gruden, uh, the quote is that... Um, this is yet another inflection point in a society fraught with cynical social blinders, absent of respect with intellectual capacity and leadership of minorities. And then he asked the question, when will it end? Okay, as far as Dee Marie Smith, one of the, the, the aggrieved party from what, you know, what we saw in the email, you know, his quote basically pretty much is, this is a thick skinned job for someone with dark skin, you know, referencing himself being a dark-skinned African-American. And he says, you see people talk and write about you, you know, using thinly coded and racist language. And that's exactly what Gruden did. And if I may write quick, just to quote Michael Smith, who's part of the Brother From Another uh, po uh, podcast. Mm -hmm. He basically said, that as far as John Gruden goes, he said the quiet part out loud. He, he John Gruden said the quiet part, what everybody's thinking. And you can go back to, I can't remember the song, but it was an Ice Cube song. You can go back to, this is what they think of you. This is what they think of you. And this is no, what they think of you. And this is what they think of you. Gruden said I the quiet part out loud. Mm -hmm. Yep. Gruden said the quiet part out loud. So, so F him. Yeah. I'm sorry. I just had to get off my chest. <laughs> no. Let it out. Let it out. Let it out. Needed to be said. Let it out, man. Cause it's, like I said, I watch a lot of these shows, man. And kudos to Shannon Sharp, cause he 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 stated the obvious. He like, why did it take for the extra to come out mm -hmm. for something to be done? You know, like they don't supersede that I'm black. Like, like right. it's like, all work in conjunction. Like it should all work in conjunction, but apparently it didn't. It had to had the other part, yeah. <laughs> you know, to to to, to access our to, to acknowledge our part. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know you said shout out to Shannon Sharp. I'm gonna say shout out to Ryan Clark because Ryan Clark, 
he he straight devastated him. I mean, he he decimated him. And Ryan Clark, every single point that people in the streets are talking about that don't necessarily get spoken about publicly, because if anything, when Caucasian people, and I don't mean any disrespect to our Caucasian listeners, but there are times when Caucasian individuals will say something like, he was never racist around me. Well, how would you know? <laughs> Sometimes, I mean, you, you know, he, he may have been, but I don't know where your racial, you know, understanding is, let alone in comparison to what this person may say around you or the fact that they may not, it may not come up around you because those situations mm-hmm. aren't really talked about because maybe in your group, there are no people of diverse backgrounds around you for it to come about. Even worse, though, you have black ones that say that. That's even more disturbing because you've got African-Americans who, you know, and this is something that, unfortunately, it's like you give the person a pass. I mean, it's like you like like our, our, for whatever reason, it's like we have to be apologetic for someone else's racism. And it's just like, no, dude, don't make excuses for them. Don't be apologetic for them. I understand you want to understand everything and you want to give a person benefit of the doubt. But sometimes, you know, come on, man. (laughs) This is what he said. This is what he wrote down. This is what he's been writing down. I don't know whether there's to protect at this point or why you feel you need to have to. He's a (laughs) grown ass man. Let him protect himself. It's not your job. I don't stop them from asking guys like Dez Bryant about his mama's past when, when he's trying to go through the draft. Yep. You know, like, y'all don't ask stuff that doesn't even matter. Y'all ask these young black kids stuff like that. Like, everything is on limits then for everybody. Hey. That's the case. And as much as I do the draft stuff, I don't even want to get into the combine and how that sometimes comes across as plantation-like. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, if there weren't for Caucasian athletes and other other players of other ethnicities, mm-hmm. it, it would really skew in that way. I mean, they might as well be checking your teeth to make sure, you know, you, you know that, that you got good hygiene. I mean, to check the size of your hands, your feet, how high you can jump, how fast you can run, you know, all these different things. And I understand, you know, as an athlete, and not me as an athlete, but I understand as the athletes are doing these things to try and improve their status so they can become millionaires, that doesn't mean that conceptually some of those aspects aren't still there yeah, and it can be demeaning at times. Mm-hmm. yes it has a strong racial connotation too i mean you can still assess those things from how they play i mean do you really need to go through the combine part to really you know have them just with one or two articles of clothing on as they run around and perform for you it you know it, it has connotations and I, i'm not trying to make more of it than what it is but again let's not completely walk through life with blinders on as Rod Graves said. Absolutely. All right, fellas, let's go to picks. And uh, last week, rough, rough week for you guys. <laughs> rough week. Spoke you went 0-2-1. Uh, you missed on Washington, uh, the football team. Uh, and Green Bay, and you had a push with Michigan. Uh, Glenn, you hit on your Tennessee Volunteers, but Woo-hoo. missed on Stanford and the New York Jets. Go Rocky Top. And I went two and one. I went two and one, missed on the Broncos, but hit on the Cowboys and the upstart Arizona Cardinals, who, by the way, look for real. 
Yeah. Are you upstart when you're five and zero? Well, did you expect him to be five and zero? No, but four and one. Okay. All right. <laughs> Whatever you say. Uh, overall, um, I'm at eleven and four. Glenn, you're at six, eight, and one, and Smoke, you're at five, nine, and one. Trying to run away with this. Yeah, I I think we should say the upstart Ezra McCann's. How about that? The upstart. I'm surprising myself right now, man. (laughs) Eleven and four. Take a few weeks off. Let us catch up. Jesus, this is this is unbelievable. (laughs) Keep it going, man. So, uh, Smoke. Okay, I think I'm gonna try to give me try to give me some easy wins this week. Uh, I'm gonna take Michigan State over Indiana. Uh, Michigan State is a four and a half point favorite. Okay. Hmm. This one might not be as easy, but I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna take Oklahoma State over Texas. Oklahoma State is a five and a half point underdog. I think Texas have a letdown from last week after blowing that game. And then I'm going to do one NFL. I'm going to go with the Thursday night game, the Buccaneers seven points favorites over the Eagles. All right, so I got you. Michigan State. Uh, minus four and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oklahoma State plus five and a half. Plus five and a half, and then Tampa Bay minus seven. All right, Glenn, what you got? Hey man, I'm gonna lead off. I'm gonna keep rolling with them Volunteers, baby. <laughs> uh, and in a, in a big game, actually for both teams uh, in the SEC, I'm gonna take my Volunteers plus three. Versus Ole Miss. Um, I was really debating this Syracuse Clemson game because Syracuse has given Clemson problems in the past, even good Clemson teams. But I'm scared of picking losing organizations at this time. <laughs> so I'm going to sidestep that game and instead do two pro games. I'm going to take the Rams minus 10 and a half on the road against the Nye Giants. And they're beat up offensively. So I'm, I'm going to yeah, look for the Rams every, to roll. Every one of their skill position guys are out. Yeah. And uh, Mike At Glenn is quarterback. Good luck. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to take the uh, – in a bit of reverse psychology here, I'm going to take the Packers minus four and a half against our beloved Chicago Bears. All right, so I got uh, the Volunteers of Tennessee plus three. Yes, yes, sir. Rams minus ten and a half, and the Packers minus four and a half. So, Jim, you looking at a two and one week, right? That's 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 what I want. Yes, I'm (laughs) I'm shooting for two and one week. (laughs) I am sacrificing for the good of my hometown team. All right, um, I'm gonna go back to some college games this week. Um, I'm going to take the Rainbow Warriors of Hawaii, uh, plus 14 versus Nevada. Um, I'm going to take Rutgers minus two 
against Northwestern. And I'm going to take, as uh, as you did, Smoke, I'm taking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers minus seven uh, on Thursday night football um, against Philadelphia. All right. That looks promising for me, by the way. I'm, I'm expecting a nice 3-0 and there. Okay, easy, Mr. Lundgren. Going into next week, hey. Or I'm, I'm sorry, Mr. Feeling very confident. Mr. 14 and four, excuse me, let me put that out there. Yes, yes, it's already, it's already done. <laughs> already done. Hey, fellas, that'll do it for this week's edition of the Easy Smoke in the GM podcast. Um, thank you, the listener, for um, for taking the time out and uh, listening to our little podcast here. Uh, you can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon, or wherever you find your favorite podcast. You can also catch us at hp53productions.com. There's a, a link to the podcast on the website, as well as uh, some other podcasts, including the Super Duper podcast hosted by Rob Griggs and the Father Good podcast hosted by Kenny Stevenson and Marshall Givens. GM. Yes, sir. Please take us out. Hey, just like we always say, we ain't saying we're right. We just sure as hell ain't John Gruden wrong. And don't you be either. <laughs> Bug them. We'll see you next week.